Traveling the Vortex. Join the master as he travels the vortex and arrive at episode 515, where he dons his most terrifying costume and disguise yet. A clown. I'm Keith. I had not considered that, and um, the, thanks. Now I have something new to think about. I'm Sean. <laughs> I'm glad I had, com- yeah, had completely forgotten that he was dressed as a clown at one point. Trying very hard not to think about it. <laughs> Get out of my head. How are you guys doing? Doing all right. Did you guys do anything spe- special this week? Fighting an evil clown. I did not. Didn't do anything special? Not that I can think of. Didn't watch anything either. We watched a little bit of the Olympics. The closing ceremonies were, were wizard. And very sad. I always get a little depressed when they put the flame out. I didn't watch any Olympics this year. You didn't? Nope. But I didn't watch the Olympics last year either, so. <laughs> we watched a little bit here and there. Not too much, though. I confess to being an Olympic junkie. What else did you do, Sean? Uh, we had a, uh, a little... Uh, a little gathering for some friends that are moving, which was very bittersweet. And then I had a little bit of uh, writing success today, which I'm so over the moon, jazzed and excited for, and literally beside myself. Like I, I, I'm sitting here grinning at myself. Uh, I'm so excited and dying to tell you all about it. And I can't, and it's killing me. Um, because it's a secret. Well, I'm excited for you. That's cool. Yeah, I can't wait to find Thanks. out. Yeah, well, you, and you, I, I, I hope you will be as excited as I am now when you, you are privy to what I know. That, that's, that's, that's going to be the, you know, it's, it's like when you see a movie that's, that's, it's like when you got to see the M night movie first and none of your friends saw it. And you were going, and you had to wait for every, all of the stragglers to finally get around to watching The Sixth Sense or something. And then finally you could talk about it. It's kind of like that right now. So, Yeah, it's been so long since he had a good movie that I've, it's hard to remember that. Yeah. Okay, perhaps I picked a bad <laughs> analogy. <laughs> I kid. Cast well, your mind back 20, 30 years ago. <laughs> <laughs> what about you? Somebody made that comment. Oh gosh. Um, well, we Holly and I have been watching all, trying to catch up on all the uh, Oscar stuff. Um, the best picture stuff we watched: King Richard, Belfast, Belfast, Coda, Power of the Dog, and Don't Look Up. And then uh, of, that's a, of the best pictures. Now, I saw Dune. Holly hasn't seen Dune yet, but I watched Dune way back when it came out on HBO Max the first time. And then I watched um, The Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, which I, I haven't been really blown away by anything. King Richard is probably so far my favorite of the best pictures that I've watched. It's really, really good. 
Highly recommend it. A fantastic performance by Will Smith. I think it's the first thing I've seen Will Smith in that it, it really just kind of blew me away and I didn't see Will Smith. Um, but Belfast is really good and, and Coda was good. Uh, Power of the Dog, I probably enjoyed the least. I just, it, it, it's a bizarre film. It's it's a it's, it's interesting. That's the one that I think is kind of considered the front runner right now, isn't it? Yeah, uh, I hadn't seen that, but it does have the most nominations, so it stands by to, default. I stand, guess. Yeah, stands <laughs> to reason. Uh, and then I think Don't Look Up was my has been my second favorite of that batch. So, and the Eyes of Tammy Faye, um, good performance by um, what's her name, Jessica Chastain. But overall, I thought the film was, I mean, and uh, Andrew Garfield did a good job, but Andrew Garfield felt like he was playing a caricature of Jim Baker. So it just didn't feel very genuine. He did a good job. It didn't feel very genuine. But um, overall, I did find the the movie very compelling. So well, that's uh, everything I watched. And then I, I just finished reading um, all of the Marvels, which is a book by... Um, Oh, what's his name? Douglas Woke, Woke, um, in which he read uh, over twenty-seven thousand Marvel comics over the course of a couple of years, and it's really fascinating. He doesn't, of course, go through everything, but um, he also doesn't do everything in order, which I thought was cool. But he also didn't read everything in order. He just kind of read things that that took his fancy until he got through everything. Um, 27,000 comics. That was like what? Maze releases? No, <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> nah, and he went all the way back to uh, 1963. So when the, for, from the first, uh, what, Fantastic Four, I guess, would have been the first, the modern story. Now, of course, he didn't read any of the licensed stuff. So he didn't do G.I. Joe or Transformers or, uh, I think the only one that he made the exception for was ROM. And then he had real hard time getting. Uh, issues of that because you, you have to actually go get physical back issues of that unless you get illegal scans but it's really interesting it's, he had a, a a lot of cool things to say and and um, did a really kind of neat job explaining the different eras and the different uh, things and how the he kind of explained the sliding timeline of the Marvel Universe that you know kind of slides in order to make things work uh, so that everything is still within the same continuity, and then of course he he talked about the multiverse stuff and and all the different eras of all the all the kind of the big the big uh, heroes. He had covered a lot of Spider Man and Fantastic Four, Avengers, X Men. It's good. I I would recommend anybody that even if you're not a huge fan of Marvel comics, it's still a really interesting book because it's kind of a just a history of the Marvel comics without going into too much depth in depth he doesn't do you know a lot on stan lee or or uh, uh jack kirby or chris claremont he doesn't do a lot of in-depth on those because as he says in the book this is about the the works and not necessarily the men behind it if there are really good uh, documentaries and books about the men behind it but he does kind of touch on little things here and there that um appropriately a tie into what he's talking about but i liked it a lot it was really good it, it's a it's a large book but it's uh oh, I bet. it's a it's a I'm good like read it it's a good read i think that's it yeah. what did you guys think of the end of book of boba fett 
Oh, oh, uh, yeah, we can talk about that now. <laughs> yeah, um, kind of lackluster, actually. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah. I, I, I kind of felt like I, I really enjoyed the series. Don't get me wrong, uh, and I really enjoyed everything up until the last. I, I liked the last episode, but it really kind of felt like it fizzled out. Uh, it didn't feel as grand as it had been setting itself up to be. Um, it was it was good. It was good. I I liked it, but I wasn't blown away by it by any means. I think had we not taken a break right before the finale to cut away to Mandalorian stuff, which I enjoyed the Mandalorian stuff. Don't get me wrong, but in hindsight, I kind of feel like maybe there was maybe it was almost unnecessary. I don't know that I liked having Mando there and I liked having Grogu back, but I just felt like after it was all done and said and done, I kind of felt like they were almost stealing the spotlight from what the what the show should have been. So because oh, they definitely did that. Because everything was really, you know, great up until then. And then those two parts were good, but I think that they kinda of almost needed to be in their own their own story. But well, what did you guys think about it? I I enjoyed it. I I can see what you're saying about it. And while I enjoyed everything up to the Mandalorian stuff, I enjoyed the Mandalorian stuff a lot more than the Book of Boba set previously. So it was kind of a, okay, now we bring the two together and they had to do these things in order to set this up. So I kind of saw why they did it. But just the imagery of... What happens in the? I don't. I don't know if we should go really go into too much of spoilers. But the imagery of kind of what happens. <laughs> uh, let's just call it the the King Kong effect. Um, <laughs> feels like it's straight out of fan fiction. <laughs> but it was so awesome, and I had so much fun watching it. I didn't care. Yeah. And then, as far as the character of that they brought in from Clone Wars and Rebels, I'm kind of surprised it went the direction it did there. Uh, yeah, that was another thing that I was kind of let down by because I didn't feel like he was in it enough. I think he, they should have... It felt like they brought the character in and then they didn't do enough. They did. They could have done more with it. But I'm hoping they'll do some more with him. Well, yeah. other stuff set previously that they could incorporate well, him. Well, I, I, I don't think his story is over at this point either. I There's... Some, think he survives? Yeah, I think he survives. I think uh, uh, everybody in this show survives. I, I mean, think uh, who's Boba came back? <laughs> who's the other guy uh, that that they got Fett's uh, armor back from? I never can remember his oh, name. Cobb. Cobb yeah, Van. Cobb Van. I I don't think he's dead either. Well, you guys saw there was a post credit scene, right? Uh, yes. So we well, know he's not missed it. <laughs> Glenn must have. Missed I it. must have missed it. Yeah. I didn't. I no. I think I shut it off afterwards. And, e- and even at, after that scene at the second, uh, second to last episode, it was clear it was the shoulder shot. There was no way. Yeah. Well, that's it. what. That's why I said I didn't think he was alive because he got hit in the shoulder. Yeah. Oh no! I did see it. Oh yeah, he's in the back of the tank. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see it. I'm sorry. I, I had to go back. Now that you say that, I had to go back because I think. I saw that there was a post-credit scene, and so I went and had to go look at it. Yeah, I forgot about that. <clears throat> Sean, what did you think? 
I 100% agree. There, there were certainly things done with this show that were I in charge, I wouldn't have done it this way. Um, and I, I can understand why there's a section of fandom that's kind of upset by, you know, the stuff. And I, I've certainly had some fun online with a select group of fans that are friends of mine, legitimately, that I've been poking the bear with a stick um, because they are just, you know, railing to the heavens, screaming about how, you know, oh, what did they do to Boba Fett? He's not cool. He's not this. He's not that. And, you know, I've been having a lot of never fun. never cool. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> Boba's a chump. But was always he been was a cool in the extended universe. When he he had a back. cool suit, <laughs> and you bought into it. He was a man of mystery, and that's my, what made yep. him cool. My the opinion, more you learn about him. In my opinion, that's cool he gets. Yeah, in my opinion, they made him cooler. I would but agree with Glenn. I also think that one of the big differences with this show is that if you were a fan of Boba Fett from the original trilogy you're probably not a fan of this iteration because this very much is a Boba Fett that is kind of organically grown out of the prequels. This is Jango Fett's clone, Boba Fett, if that makes sense. Yeah, oh, there's absolutely. absolutely. There's a lot of love for the prequels in this show, and there's a lot of callbacks to them. And if anything, there's a lot of, let's try and make the prequels, you know, cooler between some of the things that were brought back and some of the callbacks. and yeah, I, for A lot of that stuff for me worked, but you guys know I'm a prequel apologist, so, um, uh, you know, that was all pretty good. I agree. I think the two Mando episodes, while it was cool to see him in action again, um, it, it was a little... a little too much. It was a little extended that, that maybe, you know... That could have been pared down or maybe sprinkled throughout the, the Bobo episodes to, to balance them a little bit better. I don't know. Um, and then when we got to the finale, I was kind of waiting to see, because of course I'd had another week to go before I got to watch it. So uh, fortunately I didn't get spoiled on too much. Um, but I, I'd heard the kind of negative, uh, this, that, the other thing, blah, blah, blah. I gotta say, my little fan heart was happy. <laughs> I, I, you know, stuff happened that I expected, like them getting turned on by all of the crime families. It's like, well, duh. I mean, you know, uh, and so getting cornered and split up and all of that kind of stuff was like, yeah, all right. But then there were other things that happened that Keith has alluded to that it was like, oh, <laughs> you know, I, I didn't know that I wanted to see that, but. Now that I see it, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm kind of glad that I saw that. <laughs> I, I didn't know how much I needed to see that. <laughs> the, the, the droids, you know, that was something else. It was like, ooh, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I, it, it had a lot of things going for it that just made me kind of grin from ear to ear. And uh, I, I was quite okay with. And... Um, I'd, I'd called it early with the, the starship. A friend of mine was asking, you know, do you think uh, Grogu's going to return or not? And I was like, well, of course he is. They've got that perfect little domed bubble on the back <laughs> of the starship for him. That's the new toy, you know, the little little Grogu in the bubble. And uh, there he was at the end doing his thing. And, uh, you know, 
which I, I think in a way could spell trouble for Mando season three because, you know, anytime Mando gets into trouble, which is, well, about every 25 minutes or so, uh, <laughs> Grogu's there potentially to get him out of it. So we'll have to see how that goes. Yeah. But uh, no, like I said, overall, I liked it. It, it wasn't, uh, you know, it wasn't the end all be all Star Wars show that I'm, I was looking for. That is Kenobi. So we'll have to tread carefully when that one comes around. But if they do a season two of it, I'll certainly tune in and see what happens. It did find a, kind of feel like they wanted to tell this Boba Fett story, but didn't want to take the time out of Mandal- the Mandalorian to do it, which I'm glad because I would have gotten very frustrated if they had taken this much time out of Mando's, the Mandalorian to tell the Boba Fett story. But it felt like they didn't quite have enough to fill the entire season. I don't Which think is why they they set up Mando season three stuff. Yeah, I think they should have. I think they should have. If they didn't have enough story, they should just pared it back and did five episodes. And yeah, they easily could have. And yeah, that would have been a sufficient length of. And I can't. I, I can't help but think that there are Mandalorian, casual Mandalorian fans that watched that really enjoyed it, and then they saw Book of Boba Fett, and they're like, oh, I think I'll skip that. I don't need to watch that. And they're going to come back and see. Now they'll have a recap, obviously, at the beginning. But they're going to come back at season three, and all of this stuff will have happened that happened in the, or at least the, you know, the, the reconnection and everything. All the neat stuff that should have, should be happening in a Mando series uh, happened outside of the series. So yeah, I was telling my mom because I don't think she was really planning on watching it. That she kind of has to if she wants to watch the next season of Mandalorian. Mm-hmm. Well, they'll do a nice recap, too, at the beginning. So. I'm sure they will. But... At the very least, those two episodes. <laughs> right, right. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Maybe three. Maybe she needs to watch the last three. Like, uh, Boba Fett does some stuff, and then you need to start here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's worth watching all of it. I think so. But again, I, you know, I, Star Wars is one of those things that, for the most part, I'm fairly easy to please. You know? Yeah. It's, just don't screw it up with things like and somehow Palpatine returned. <laughs> as long as you don't even, do that, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of okay with it. So, And even still, while I'm watching it, I enjoy it. It's just after the fact when I start to think about it more, my critical brain turns on. But when it's on the screen, I'm just along for the ride and happy. <laughs> I don't really care at that point, unless it's resistance. Did you guys happen to catch... Um, uh, uh, Patrick brought this up. And I totally glossed over this and didn't catch it. So the uh, uh, the rancor that Danny Trejo delivers, there's a dropped line somewhere in that episode, and Patrick picked up on it. That's the rancor that the Bad Batch rescued. Oh, oh, it's it's yeah. it's not. It's uh, in fact, that's what that was the, what was implied by it. But then uh, I can't remember where I saw it. One of the either it was Filoni or somebody else has discredited that and said, no, oh, is it not? yeah, it doesn't it doesn't match up or it doesn't work uh, time wise. Anyway, well, the, the Rancor would be much older than that. And this one was still a pup. But there is a interlude in one of the aftermaths where the. The keeper of the Rancor in Jabba's palace goes and rescues a pup. I wonder if that's supposed—that's what they were alluding to. Could be. Uh, that and could that, be. This is that pup instead of the Bad Batch one. Could be. I don't but know. Yeah. I thought there was a, there was yeah, a tie-in no. somewhere along the line, and I was just like, "Oh, that is so cool!" You know. 
Yeah. Either way, it was cool. I enjoyed it. But now Kenobi. You can't screw up Kenobi. You got <laughs> to get Kenobi right. And did you? And did you? Did you hear that John Williams is coming back to score the theme for Kenobi? Wouldn't surprise me. He's a liar. He, 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 no, he, he is coming back to score the theme for Kenobi. No, I know, I, but he's, he's a liar. <laughs> he is coming back, but he's a liar. Because twice now he said, now I'm done. <laughs> now we're coming back again. Oh, John Williams is a liar. Yeah, John Williams. No, 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 no. John, John, well, yeah, we know. No, John Williams is a liar. <laughs> he keeps saying he's done, and then he, oh, okay, I'll come back and do another one. <laughs> oh, he's 90. Give him a break. <laughs> This episode of Traveling the Vortex is sponsored by Audible. Audible is the leading provider of audiobooks with thousands of titles to choose from. And the catalog includes many of your favorite Doctor Who titles. From novels to novelizations and audio plays to audiobook originals. From new stories to old, you're bound to find something you'll like. And Audible has other science fiction and fantasy titles as well. There's Star Wars, Star Trek, and even audiobooks set in the Marvel Universe. And if you're a fan of the new Dune movie... You can listen to Frank Herbert's original book the film is based on. To sign up for a free one-month trial, just go to audibletrial.com slash travelingthevortex. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash travelingthevortex. Sign up today. All right, well, let's swing back around to uh, Doctor Who and let's uh, move on to our reviews. The Master of Callus. I have a call. I'm sorry? I have a call. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions. The War Master. The Master of Callus. Everyone loves fairy tales. Tales of simple, noble folk whose goodness just shines through no matter what. Citizens of Callus, good morning. This is your governor speaking. It looks as though it's going to be a beautiful day. This fairy story has them all. Armies, moats, treasure, wicked, wicked women, and, of course, plenty of good, simple folk. Shut up! Shut up! There must be someone out there! Mr. Armin! Cassie! Please, somebody! But most of all, there's a terrible voice at the bottom of a very deep well. A voice with a cryptic message. Something is down there? Not a monster, not a ghost, but something. I'll let you in on a secret. I'll tell you what it's saying. It's saying that even in fairy stories, the good people don't always win. Big Finish. We love stories. Wait! Who are you? He is the master and we will obey him. Bum, bum, bum. Um, I'm about half there. I'll explain in a little bit. Go ahead, Sean. Oh, sorry. Go ahead, Keith. No, I was going to say, I'm, I'm about halfway there, too. Sean, go ahead. Um, for, for, a, for a little interlude kind of story that didn't feel connected to anything at large, that was just 
you know, the struggles of this mining colony. Um, I, I was kind of invested. Uh, I, I, I was uh, intrigued, certainly by the open uh, and the, the, the uh, epic mythical fairy tale gone bad uh, tale that we were promised. Uh, and I certainly felt for, I don't remember the father's name we started, but uh, um, uh, certainly felt for him because, man, you want to talk about a good run of bad luck. And um, I wanted to throttle the governor every single time she called. <laughs> man, there is some, there, there is some evil characters and then there are evil characters. And this woman was just a piece of work just head of the bone and greedy and conniving and so overly sweet about the whole thing and polite which is, is kind of what made it all worse you know <laughs> just oh just snap and stop stop being so so nice about it because that's that's that's, that's so much worse but um and then there's this random ood with a phone, and it's ringing. And I kept thinking to myself, this feels familiar. I don't know why this feels familiar. And I, I don't know if I was pulling from uh, uh, Empty Child with the ringing TARDIS phone or or what, but uh, I don't know. There's something about an ood standing in the rain that it, it, it felt vaguely familiar to me, but I can't quite place it. But that's the state of my brain nowadays. <laughs> um, but no, I, I just, as things slipped away from him and, uh, you know, his wife left and then, uh, uh, you know, uh, Cassie was gone and off to university and you realized how much time was passing that he was missing it all, kind of waiting for the next big thing. That one of these days this is going to work. One of these days I'm going to catch a break. And you, you, you realize, dude, it's been years and you haven't hit it yet. And then the governor calls and more penalties. Of, you know, don't worry about it. I'll just add them to your bill. And, you know, it's just like, oh, yeah, yeah. And now he's out here refurbishing a yacht that he found. And you're kind of hoping, oh, maybe there's an escape plan. Maybe there's uh, this... And maybe the, you know, and I got my hopes up for just a minute. And then the words of the open came floating back to me. There's not a happy ending at the end of this story. It's like, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, and then we got to the end and it was just kind of like, wow, bummer ending, Ned. <laughs> but for, for, for all of that, I, you know, there were some good performances and I kind of felt like, yeah, okay. It was, it was a little bit of all right. And I'm, I'm intrigued to know more about the, I, I think it was a good setup for where the rest of the box set was, was maybe headed. And I kind of had to keep reminding myself in, in a way it was frustrating because I kept waiting for the doctor to show up and I had to kind of keep mentally beating myself <laughs> going, no, it's the master of callus. It's, 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 it's a master story, not a doctor story. And uh, then I kept wanting, well, where's the time war during all this? And I had to keep beating myself mentally going, no, dude, it's part of the prologue. These are just very loosely interconnected events. If anything, you'll get a, a mention of something. Oh, yeah, okay. So, but uh, yeah, for, for all of that, I thought it was a, a fairly decent setup to the box. The, the setup is definitely interesting in the fact that, you know, the master is not there at all except for the prologue, and you have this creepy ooh lurking about. 
Um, but it really just feels like, you know, this is a three chapter story and this is chapter one. I agree. Yeah. <clears throat> I agree. And there's a chapter later on that we don't need at all. I think Sean missed the uh, memo that we were going to review this as a whole and not individually, but <laughs> uh, no, I can't we'll get, get to the other part. I, I, no, 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 no. I can't, I can't disagree with you on this one. Uh, Sean, I think you, you're absolutely right. Everything that you mentioned about it is, is what I liked about it. Um, I, I, I liked to dislike the uh, governor. I think that she was, set up really well as kind of an, a counter antagonist uh, to what we were going to get, uh, especially since the master narrating this sets up um, already flat out tells us that the, the villain wins in this one. And so I kind of wondered where we were going to go from there. And so this one kind of developing the governor and setting her up is who I thought was going to be uh, the ultimate protagonist for this. I thought oh, this is, this is really cool. It's, it's a good setup. Um, I think it does a good job of uh, explaining or, or giving us an idea of the madness uh, or a taste of the madness that the uh, the mine and the uh, material that's inside of it that I cannot remember what it's called um, is, yeah, that is creating. Uh, and so I thought that was neat. Um, it was an interesting uh, <laughs> interesting dichotomy that the people living there that are the miners – started out as a haven for uh, artists and uh, a lot of them ended up uh, helping do the mining just out of uh, sheer fact that they were there, uh, which I thought was kind of cool too. And I like the relationship that, uh, that her dad had with, um, I'm terrible at these names, but the, 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 the guy that had the, the French guy. Um, I thought oh, that, was, I felt Jacques had a, interesting relationship like he was he had his back and he was very trustworthy and uh which <laughs> they take an interesting uh an interesting route with that character in the in the next story so that was mm -hmm. but but i i really enjoyed the characters and i thought it, it was they it painted a real good picture and set everything up very nicely it also provided a very interesting uh portrayal of the mine itself and you know what this substance is kind of doing and what why it's so hard to mine and the, just the idea that they've tried to do this with ouds and it drove the ouds mad and now they're just wandering the jungles of this planet yeah <laughs> that's just kind of creepy even though they're ouds you know a mad ood is not something you want to come across and the fact that they're like having to kill them whenever they come into town because you can't control them is really good establishing stuff for the story and then the fact that people eat ouds that's just gross <laughs> yeah i they they were they were really careful to tread somewhat lightly on that that they only alluded to it we never actually got anybody in the actual story eating an ood but it's it was very clear from the context of a lot of the conversations that they do uh, and in, in the last story they do actually talk about uh the guy is complaining because there's so many ood showing up and he's like oh we're gonna have ood for dinner again yeah <laughs> and the one guy says i thought you liked ood meat and he says yeah but we've had it so much lately <laughs> oh my god <laughs> all right so correct me if i'm wrong has that been a thing before i don't think so because <laughs> they they, they kind of went there 
and then they pulled back from it, and then they went there again, and then they kind of pulled back from it. I, I, they, they kept, like, the whole thing was almost like adventures and almost cannibalism because they, they kind of kept bringing it up as a, well, maybe we're going to go there. Uh, and and I'll, I'll touch more on that a little bit later when we get into some of the other stories. But um, I was really concerned in the third one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You and me both. Yeah. Right? But, um, it just, they, they kind of kept almost going there. And I, I in, in the back, again, in the back of my brain, there was this tickle like, have we commented that one of the things that, again, just a dropped line somewhere was that the Ood were, oh, they live to serve, they do this, occasionally they are served, blah, blah. I mean, it just seemed like maybe that was part of the package deal. But I, I think I would have globbed onto that a little bit hard if that had actually been in a, in a televised episode somewhere. So maybe this is new. No, I, I think but it's I think It it's totally fits for what... Yeah, humanity's certainly capable of this. So... <laughs> I, yeah. I get where needs must, but I, no. Um, I like this the second story a lot as well. I thought the mm-hmm. uh, the girl showing up after the 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 dad had offed himself, um, and then coming uh, to kind of pick up the operations uh, where they were, and it's revealed that she actually changed her um, field of study in school, and that they were very much her and her wife were very much. Um, ready to tackle this and, and come here and take over the mine. And her. What's, what's great is they do the time jump. Like they come back at the end of the sec- first episode, and then there's a time jump once the actual second episode starts and the mine's prosperous. Yeah. So we get to yeah. see all these people doing well and are happy before things go downhill again. Well, that, mm-hmm. that time jump, though, that happens midway through this story because at the beginning they're struggling because she they, when she gets there and they have to they import more ood the, the ones that aren't mad they import more ood and they have that whole conversation about the the ethics of that and slavery and whatnot the, the the wife is i think she was sort of against it and the the main girl cassie was kept saying well you know it's it's you know a necessary uh, uh it's necessary, and so there was kind of that shaky ground as to as the uh, the morality. Oh, that's true. It's not until yeah uh, um, the master in disguise it, right fixes the, he the he right yeah. he sh- he shows up and fixes the dampeners, and that's where the time jump ends up because then suddenly it's a prof- prosperous um, uh, mine, and so yeah, there's there's the time jump in the middle of that one, and then they decide they have to get all the stuff off world because the governor is taxing her basically to death and she's afraid that you know it's just going to be ongoing and so she wants to keep more of that money for themselves so that's when they decide to concoct the plan to sneak the stuff off planet of course they have some help well, from the master <laughs> yeah well, <laughs> and, then, and, and they also hit a vine of 100 percent pure yes yes and it was and it was the first time that they had uh hit yeah. that much so and I, they suspected that if that had gotten out, that the governor probably would step up her actions in trying to collect money or the the, the minerals itself. Which, you know, again, talk about this glimmer of hope. Cassie shows up with, you know, full of piss and vinegar and, you know, oh, I changed my major. I'm a mining expert. I'm doing a geological survey. We're going to make this work. And you're like, oh, yeah, this is going to be great. Vengeance on the governor. Ha ha. 
And then to watch all of that slip away back into the quagmire that the first story was. Yeah. It was just, just, oh man, pull the rug out from under me. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I was looking forward for the governor getting hers. I was <laughs> so ready for that to happen. Also, yeah, you really start to root for Cassie and Martine, and then things just start spiraling yeah. out of control again. Well, and, and going back to that whole time jump idea, when they introduce the master coming in, the, the difference between her and her dad is that her dad never answers the phone, and mm. she does. And that's what sets up those events, because that's when the master comes in disguise and has fixed things for her. And so it's it's that, you know, deal with the devil kind of thing, uh, indirectly or un, un, unaware, anyway. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the second one I, I actually liked much better than than the first one yeah um i think it's probably the strongest uh of of the series Agreed. But it's also it, it treads this kind of dangerous ground um of, of being the the, the middle st- part of the story arc and giving you hope before the inevitable oh yeah there's no happy ending here right uh and it's setting things up in such a way that it's not one part downfall, it's two. Because both episodes three and four are really kind of horrifically bad endings. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hello, fellow time travelers, and welcome to the Doctor Who Target Book Club podcast, the only podcast to discuss, in story order, all the Doctor Who novelizations. My name is Tony Whit, and every two weeks or so, I'm joined by a two- to three-person discussion panel, including our so-called expert who's been a Who fan since 1979. That would be me. We also get the views of intermediate, casual, and novice fans who either have never seen the show or who have never read these books until these podcasts, including Dalton Hughes and Allison Fitzsafried. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you find good podcasts, or even ones like ours. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point podcast. They're also not as strong as the first two parts. That, that We're getting into the, this is what I was alluding to before, where I can go about halfway on this one, because I really enjoyed the first story, and I really, really enjoyed the second story. And then the third story just was I... so drawn out and meandering. And at some point, I didn't care anymore. And I kept thinking, where is this going? And is this really, I mean, they're trying to paint this mystery of, is this, this, is this really all in her head? Is she really seeing these things? You know, what can be trusted as, as real and what can't. And I'm even suckered into thinking that he did leave an ood with her. Um, and only to find out that that wasn't the case at the, you know, at the end. And then the payoff of it is, as you said, ending so tragically, it's like, well, okay, so that sucks because now she's dead and we went all through all this for nothing. And so I just, and I kept thinking, wow, James Goss, you were doing so good. What happened with this? Did you feel like you had to drag things out? And then it, I found out later that Guy Adams takes over and writes the second two. And so it was they, almost they like. They wrote it in collaboration. Yeah, you know, I'm sure they did, but it was, it just out. felt like Goss set everything up for him. And then Guy Adams just didn't know where to take it. To get it, because I think the end of Sins of the Father, which I think must have been 
the Goss influence, I think he gave it to Adams and said, here's where we want to get to. So fill all, fill the blanks in. And I just don't think Adams had a, did a good job filling in the blanks. In fact, like I say, in this particular story, he just kind of meandered. And at, at one point I was bored and losing attention and I didn't really care. Although I thought the gal that was performing, uh, the wife, I can't remember her name, uh, Martine. Martine, I thought she did a good job. She was, she was, she was certainly, uh, impressive in her portrayal, but I just at, at some point I just didn't care anymore. Yeah. yeah, it was uh, it was completely unnecessary. Yeah, it it, it was could have just been a, a she went off and she went mad because of the gem or whatever they were mining, and then we could have had the master call her and found out what happened. Oh, okay. Well, bye. And that's all we needed. Yeah. Well, I didn't need this entire episode digging I, into her history, and although it does show that she has a dark side to her too, because yeah. up to this point, she had been kind of the nobler person and the more of the hero. So it does show the dark side of her. But other than that, it wasn't really. You could have done that in another way. It it is character exploration for a character that we didn't get a lot about in the first two stories. I will agree. Yeah. That's just it. it. It is a fantastic character study of Martine. And it is an absolute tour de force performance from the actress that plays her. Um, it is uh, really that quite... Far. Oh, no, no, no. It, it, it <laughs> I is, wouldn't go that it's far. Really quite, it's really quite rare uh, in Big Finish to get a one-act, one-actor kind of thing and with the exception of the occasional ood conversation or one of her guest star delusions it's all her carrying this and that's quite impressive to be able to do it unfortunately where where for me where this misfires is that we have not spent enough time with martine to care yeah exactly you're, you're doing this whole character study on a sub character who's been the support structure for Cassie. Mm -hmm. This was Cassie's story. It was her father and then her, and now it's her wife, which we didn't get a lot of. You, you spent two episodes dealing with the family and the lineage and the passing on and the history of all that. And now all of a sudden boop, we've journeyed over here into a new location that doesn't have the same history, that doesn't have any familial ties, that doesn't have any of this. And you expect me to care about this big bravada performance for a character that is ostensibly not even really related to the events you set up in parts one and two. Yeah. And so, yes, everything you said was right. Uh, it, it meandered. It got difficult to, to stick with it. And I felt bad. I had to kind of keep redirecting my attention back to what was going on, especially when it got a little weird when she fell into the food processor. <laughs> and I began, to, weird. I began to let my imagination roll with it, like maybe this is the Master's TARDIS. It's I bigger think, on the inside. I think that's and, what we were intended to think. Yeah. You know, yeah. Um, any, any, any hook, any latch to grab onto to try and ground it. Um, and, and nothing was there. And then, you know, conversations with the Ood and kind of going back into well, the, uh, you know, well, I wish to make you happy. You need food. And I'm like, oh God, here it comes. Yeah. 
feeling <laughs> myself for the inevitable, well, you know, he, when she sits down for her next meal that she's not quite sure where it came from because he's, the food he's, processor is not working. Well, he says that you can take my own. Yeah, that he that he could he would be able to function sufficiently with only one arm. <laughs> yeah. Implying that, you know, he could cook up her, his arm for her and let her have that. Yeah, that was a little and, uncomfortable. And, <laughs> so so I'm stealing myself, waiting for this, you know, for the shoe to drop with a foot in it on a plate. <laughs> and it, it just, it, we, we never quite got there. And she keeps wandering around outside, and then there's a jungle in the quarters, and none of this makes any sense. Now, of course, the name of the uh, uh, episode is what? Uh, lucid, lucid Dreams. The, the or... Persistence of Dreams. Persistence of dreams. Okay, so right off the bat, oh, it's it's a, a mindscape episode. Yeah, you know. Okay, but it just it, it's so unfortunate that it it wound up with this because I, I think I, I think dealing with the Svenja mentally overtaking someone, I think that there's a nugget of a cool idea there. And driving someone insane in an isolated environment, I think, could have worked. I don't know that Martine was was the way to go with. I understand that you needed Cassie back home in order to deal with the governor. I get that. But I, I just, I don't think this is what the story needed at this juncture. Yeah. I think that this, for, for as, as cool as this segment was in some ways, it's also equally as bad in, in in those same ways for all of the same reasons because it's just kind of a colossal misfire that yeah. creates this big stutter in the middle of the rhythm of the story and then episode four has all this work to do to try and get us back on track <laughs> and and catch and then, back up and then the doesn't of where we were at. <laughs> and, and then, then yeah and then spins its wheels for about 40 minutes of its story before we finally get to any sort of a semblance of a good plot now did you did you guys episode three just kind of trail off into silence when she drifted off yeah okay Mm -hmm. there there weren't a closing credits or anything right no that was the intent none of them none of them ended really loud and (laughs) kind of surprised by the master screaming as he's being tortured when part four started uh no no because hands no because after i i was on my way back to work when i was finishing three and i had because i went to lunch and i came back and i had i was finishing so i waited in the car until it was over and then shut it off and then went inside and then didn't start the next one i think until i was headed home that night I went back and re-listened to the end of it just to make sure that was what happened. <laughs> none because of them. You know, that's been mind but, games through this whole yeah, thing. Maybe but, I missed something. But none nope, of them. She just none of them. Away. None of them ended with credits until the till the last one. So, but I think all of them, with the exception of three, ended with the music. So, yeah. Uh, Except kind three. of you know I, what I was waiting for. Yeah, was yeah. The, the, the fanfare. Um, but nope, just floats away, and then all of a sudden. Oh God! I, <laughs> I would argue almost that the idea of the Swinio driving people mad is already thoroughly explored yes. well enough with Elliot's and exactly. Cassie and their obsession Elliot. with it. Exactly. Yeah. And, and, well, and, and what, the Ood. Well, and you don't need and the French this whole story to do that. And the French guy that didn't we neglected to talk about him often himself. 
Yeah, that, because he was he ended action. up being yeah he ended up being manipulated as well and and but uh, that was more manipulated by the master to get him out of the way than yeah but I I got with the, but I got stuff. the impression that that was what helped so but it seemed like he was standing in Cassie's way from keeping her from making the further progress. And so it seemed like to me the master pushed him. No, I, with, I, with you're, you're absolutely yeah, right. Okay. But I think that 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 there, there, I think it's implied that that was well. I think that that that's part of the what we're maybe maybe I'm getting what they were trying to imply, but is revealed to be more of the master scheming. I suppose is what I'm yeah where I'm talking. I guess. I guess I interpreted it as a yeah what what you're saying, but the reason more why he offed himself was because of what the master reminded him of. Than Agreed. More of the obsession. Agreed. But his okay. character his character changes so much that I just I couldn't have, I I couldn't attribute all of that 180 oh, okay. degree turn yeah. to just the master's influence. Yeah, I could see that. Yeah. Um, the, the master being tortured by the governor, believe it or not, are the highlights <laughs> of sins well, of the father. Let's be honest, anytime Derek Jacoby was Jacoby. on, Jacoby was <laughs> in my ears, it was a highlight of the entire story. I would agree. He yeah, does yeah. such a good job throughout the entire thing. And he, all of the different versions of the master he plays and from the, the kindly person to the, 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 the slightly evil slimy person that you can kind of see it underneath when he's trying to be nice all the different layers even yeah. when he's the weird food machine thing he his performance is just sparkling absolutely and all with i don't know about you guys but it's almost with hints of delgado yeah like i would not agree a, not a direct you know I, um, a rip off uh, no not a direct yeah rip not, off. not 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 a, not, no, a, no. not an impersonation even yeah but just hints of it in in the vocal in the in the structure of his cadence and and and, and voice work it was just he was definitely channeling him well i think he and channeled i think he so was cool. cha i think he was channeling ainley when he was being the undercover nice guy or nice-ish guy I, th I kind of got like uh, hints of of Ainley's uh, master when when Ainley could be charming, you know, sometimes, mm -hmm. and I think that that's what I took I took away from that. But then, yes, when he was full on master and no disguise, then yeah, I I completely got a Delgado vibe. A scarier though, too. Yeah, agreed. Yeah. A, a Jacoby scary master is who I yeah. would not want to come across him. Unfortunately, everything else going on in the planet, Cassie's story, while I felt for her and I had hoped that she was going to rile the miners up earlier to defend themselves, which I think should have happened. I think that would have made the story go a lot better. But there was just, the, I mean, it became a desperation move, but we spent so much time with the Cassie's anguish and regret and, and just that all dragged on and just pulled everything down again. And then I thought, well, I really felt like we were doing a good job of developing Cassie's character, her kindness at the beginning, her, you know, passion towards the middle or her obsession towards the, well, towards the, the nearer point of the future of the, uh, the end. 
And then to go into this whole just weird, deprived desperation, it just didn't set well with me because the, the character wasn't that and shouldn't have been going down that road from that point. But maybe that's just me. Yeah, the uh, implied loss of Martine, because she still didn't even know at that point. Right, But the right. implied loss of her really kind of uh, yeah, pulled the teeth uh, of the character in a way. So may maybe from that standpoint, for what they wanted for part four, they needed part three. But it it, it definitely impacted her. And, and what's, what's strange is that in both of those instances, we don't know how much time passes um, for, for, for Martine's story on the asteroid, it, it could have been hours or days or weeks or months or, I mean, yeah. we, we genuinely have no idea how long she was alone. Yeah, um, but I, I kind of get the impression it's it infer at most a week. It infers that it's at least happening in the same time that this story is happening. Right, but we still. But we don't know how that long is. That, we don't know how long that is. Yeah, I'm guessing it's about a week, but I. That's purely based on, I don't know how long it would take to torture the master, that he would allow himself to be tortured. Well, I you think know? he. I think he could allow himself to go even longer the way his endurance was. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> mm -hmm. So, at what at what point does he get bored of it? <laughs> It's very, okay, I'm done with you. it's very rare that we find the master, the master always seems to find his plan B and it always ends up failing, but we never see the master defaulting to plan B after plan A gets derailed, which I thought was interesting because it was almost, it's, it was, it's almost more calculated because the master anytime he ends up reverting to plan B, it's always seems to be a, he didn't quite have a plan B, but now he's coming up with plan B on the fly. This time having plan B already set up and calculated was a neat change for the character of the master that we don't think we've gotten before. And also fun that it still totally kept with his M.O., yeah. that here the master is teaming up with another alien species in this case the ood to do the dirty work for him yeah <laughs> uh, you know in this case the miners are going to do all the, the the mining and 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 taking care of the the mineral and then the ood are going to wipe out them and then he's going to abscond with everything and ta-da neat little bow wrapped up on top of everything it just happens to be this one works for a change. <laughs> right, right. Well, the doctor's not there to thwart it. Right. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the probably the more important thing is had the doctor been there, then he wouldn't have gotten away with any of it. Although he was, we find out later, was being backed by the Time Lords to obtain the material for themselves for the for their war tardises in the war. So, Yeah. Which was a nice, a nice way to tie it into the Time War. Yeah, I thought that was pretty clever. I, I sort of suspected, especially from the last one where they were harvesting that gas and the Ravagers, where they're harvesting that particular gas as a as a uh, an alternate renewable source for the mm -hmm. war Tardises. Mm -hmm. I ho I sort of wondered if maybe this material later, eventually, I feel, I wondered if this material was what was eventually going to be in the hands of the Time Lords, and it did. You know, it's interesting. His trade in. Or it was getting the chameleon arch. Yeah, 
that was yeah so now we know where he got that although apparently he didn't use it right away because unless the 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 uh uh following box sets don't necessarily go in order well based off of this timeline this is box set number two right and then based off of how we're doing it obviously one comes after this so who knows it's interesting too that from a certain point of view (laughs) the master is the good guy in this story yeah (laughs) you know we may not agree with his methods but he is no, you, let's let's it. let's let's call it what it is he's a he's the protagonist he's he's the yeah, there we go he's the protagonist of this story because ultimately i don't want to necessarily say that his method or his his motives are altruistic but he is getting this mineral for the time lords to fight daleks he's that, that getting is a, that, is a, he's, that is a noble cause no it's not because he's getting this for the Time Lords, so A, he can get the Chameleon Arch, and B, they'll leave him alone. He says that. Well, that, those are his motivations, but ultimately, that's what the mineral is going to be used for. Yeah. To, to control these battle tardises to fight Daleks. Yeah. So the, the end goal... It still doesn't qualify, is, qualify is, him... Is a good one. still doesn't qualify now, him as a good guy, but I will give you yeah, the protagonist well, label. Let, let, let's, let's, let's quantify that. He murders how many people in order to get to <laughs> everyone on this planet? Well, and then poisons the whales so that nobody can come back to it either. Or at least puts mad ouds there to defend the whale. Yeah, and I'm I'm, I'm curious. Um, were the mad oud left there? You know, and the, the poisoning of the whale, as it were. Uh, certainly, that's not going to deter the Daleks from. Well, he even says, well, I had to leave something there to make sure the Daleks don't go get it. I wouldn't think that would be much of a deterrent. I also think, though, that the Daleks aren't aware of it, and only the Time Lords are. And so by basically leaving the planet as is, it doesn't necessarily become a deterrent, but nobody else will go there or know that there's the material there. So right. there's no later somebody down the line tipping the Daleks off, you know. So yeah, I think that's probably part of it. The Daleks won't know that it's there because he's basically uh, laid waste to the land, so that you know nobody nobody cares now. So there's nobody to tell. Hey, there's this mineral on this planet, salted earth. Yeah. So I have to say, um, the conversation that the governor has with Cassie. She, Cassie comes home uh, after finding out that nobody showed up to her meeting. <laughs> and she comes home and the governor's waiting for her. For one more oh-so-polite tongue-lashing. I am mentally screaming, kill her. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm... I'm, I'm I like to think of myself as not such a bad person, you know. <laughs> I'm all for a little murder at this point, and I have to assume they didn't. They did nothing to imply in in any in any shape or form that the governor went into this with a guard. Or, but I have to assume that's why Cassie didn't do it. 
that it's it's not because she's a better person than I am. Yeah. Well, because I have to think that there was a gun or a sword on the wall or a really heavy book or something that she could have beat this woman to well, death with. Throughout the story, she's got this second-in-command guy with her. He doesn't speak very often, but every once in a while he does. So I go, yeah, the pilot. So I, I got the impression that he was probably always around. He just didn't do any much talking. I have to. I have to assume that he was there because the, that whole time I'm like I, I'm having a Scott from Austin Powers. I have a gun in my room. I'll go get it. I'll come back here. We'll shoot her together. It'll be fun. I mean, just just end it for Pete's sake. Why are you going through all of the rigmarole? Be justified in ninety eight percent of the courts in the galaxy. I have no doubt of this. You would be exonerated of this crime. Just kill her. <laughs> that's how much I didn't like this woman <laughs> just... and then the master got her and um, I, I felt honestly I, I felt a little cheated <laughs> well, we don't really get to find out what he did to her yeah, I, 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 I was ashamed at how bloodthirsty I had become over this character's death. <laughs> that even even the public uh, broadcast of it through, through the PA system, her screams, I really needed to know if it was uh, a slow tissue decompressor or if he was taking his time. Or... Oh, I got the impression he turned the utensils that she was using on him onto her. Because he told her oh, yeah, he, he, she was too. amateurish and didn't really know how to use them. I just I, I needed uh, I needed less oud cookbook recipes and and more of uh, <laughs> more of that I guess because wow she got under my skin <laughs> I, I will I will give this story bonus points for that yeah did you guys listen to the uh, bonus features. Did you guys just I did not. No. So apparently they came up with the idea of this story when I think it was Guy Adams was rereading Nostromo, which was not a book I was familiar with. But apparently it's pretty much all about uh, the human condition and how, you know, greed and jealousy can turn anyone horrible. Hmm. And like uh, silver mining in the 1900s of, you know, the obsessions that people became uh, with all of this. Yeah. Huh. That certainly fits. So it's a Doctor Who version of that, which that book sounds like such a downer. <laughs> Note to self, crossing off the read list. <laughs> Supposedly it's really good. Uh F. Scott Fitzgerald says he wished you had written that over Great Gatsby, from what I saw. So. Oh, wow. All right. That's not exactly an endorsement, because The Great Gatsby is not That's a downer, too. Yeah, it's, it's, <laughs> it's not exactly a, a happy story, either. <laughs> so, for me, all in all, uh, I, I really like the first two parts of it, but I think it just it falls apart and it loses the thread in the last two stories. Uh, overall, I think that the, the third part is entirely unnecessary, even if uh, the performance is good or 
what did you call it, Sean? Uh, a tour de force. Tour de force. Uh, I think it was unnecessary and probably could have been cut and maybe used sparingly throughout another story, uh, intertwined in some way with another story. I do think that coming back around to the call with, uh, what's her name again? But, but the wife, Martine. Uh, Martine, Martine, coming back around at the end with him talking Martine and getting that conversation again and placing it where uh, it happens for from the master's point of view, I thought was a, a clever little uh, 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 bringing back around uh, to that conversation at the end of episode three. But that was the only thing I thought was worth episode three's time. <laughs> in, in a way that kind of is almost all you need. Yep. Like you, you could have cut all of episode three out and then he could have called her and she's like, Oh, I kind of went nuts and jumped off the asteroid and we all have been what? And the masters, well, you've been exposed to the Svenja that that's yeah. You know, and based on what we got in episodes one and the beginning part of two, it was enough. Mm hmm. You know, so it would have kind of just been this extra little gut punch there at the end of the story to not see it happen to her. But then they would have had to come up with a one-parter somewhere along the line to fill out the box set. Or this made a three-part box set. It would have been fine. No, we, we, we don't do three-parters here. The, this is Doctor Who. Have you not been paying attention? <laughs> It's only during the Seventh Doctor's era that we did three-parters. I agree with a lot of what Glenn said uh, about the box set, and which is a shame because I really enjoyed uh, the Master's portrayal in the story and his performance and was really looking forward to some uh, Derek Jacobi Matt War Master stuff. And I, I think other stuff is probably going to be the better parts of what this was. Yeah, I agree with you guys. Like I said, there, there were there were things that I liked about it, uh, and and certainly Jacoby was was one of them. Uh, finding out that his name is pronounced Jacoby and that Glenn has been right all this time—that's not one of the things that I about this set. <laughs> uh, I I'm surprised this is that. the first time you've heard anybody say it. I've this heard is the people, first time. That's crazy. I've heard his I'll name get, said on. dozens and dozens of times. Nah, I, even I've in even say it, even it in Doctor Who material, it just doesn't roll off the tongue right for me. And I've kind of been <laughs> sticking to my guns, going, "It's Jacoby." That sounds British. And then they get to the credits at the end, and the master, Derek Jacoby, and I went, "Man, <laughs> I'm going to have to eat some crow on that one." Darn it. <laughs> So, yes, Glenn was right again. <laughs> but, um, yeah, no, I, he was great. Uh, like I said, there were some some great performances. It's just a, it's just a downer kind of across the board. So you, you really almost have to, I think it would help in a way to know getting into. <laughs> right. Um, let me set the table, children. Um, and, and they do, right off the bat. This does not have a happy ending. You can kind of gauge from there. Am I in the mood? or not um but um i just i my, my eternal optimism kept hoping maybe maybe that yacht's gonna come back into play and we'll get a happy ending uh, <laughs> no. well we did get a happy ending because of the yacht 
For the master. For the master. Yeah, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> Plan C. <laughs> so, yeah. No, I, I, I did like the, uh, like I said, the, the well, resetting my brain, I think, after last week and kind of, or after last time and being aware that because these are prologue stories and that they're only peripherally setting things up for... The, the, the time where I think really helped so that when that reveal came, it was like, ah, there it is. Okay. Yeah. I wasn't looking for it through the whole thing. Right. Do you collect Doctor Who? Do you have Doctor Who items and you don't know you collect Doctor Who? For all things in the Doctor Who collecting world, tune in to the Doctor Who Collectors Podcast, a Direction Point Network podcast. I am Larry Van Rusbergen, your host, and I have been collecting Doctor Who for 40 years. With popular features like collection protection and the most outrageous offer, we have a lot of fun. Available anywhere you get your podcasts. You're listening to Traveling the Vortex, a Direction Point Network podcast. All right, well, Sean, what do we got coming up on the schedule? Well, coming up on the schedule, some of you may be... How come, what, uh, what happened to uh, Web of Fear? Well, we, we decided to bump that in another, uh, another episode. So, uh, well, to make, make you wait. We just, uh, we, we, we like <laughs> it when you shiver and anticipate. And uh, so we're going to push that one off <laughs> the next time. <laughs> it didn't pick up the patience, so <laughs> you just didn't get it at all. Because <laughs> I didn't say it. Oh, okay. I thought you were going to do the, the uh, Rocky Horror thing where you just no, delay just, it. <laughs> I'll, I'll come back next week and start with that. Ha There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so, so next time on the program, we will cover... Uh, the Web of Fear, the animated episode three with the introduction of Brig, along with uh, Gallifrey. Dun, dun, dun. I'm so excited to start these, even if it is uh, jumping into uh, where... Series nine. <laughs> Series nine. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Time War 1.1, uh, Celestial Intervention, and 1.2, Soldier Obscura. Sounds like a, a Harry Potter spell. Uh, and then a brief recap of Time Lord Victorious, which is where it would fit in this uh, overall uh, gargantuan uh, time war prologue. So we will look at all of that next time. and then uh, That'll finish the prologue up for us. Too. That'll finish the prologue off, and then we'll be on to Act 1. And a reminder, of course, that uh, we are going to be uh, 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 going off of the, the master timeline Glenn was kind enough to post on our website. And uh, so that you can kind of scope it out and see where we're at in the grand scheme of things. We also have the schedule posted there. And a reminder in such things that uh, we will occasionally be talking about some uh, movies, as Glenn alluded to this week, with our Oscar challenge uh, that uh, us and uh, uh, guys from the Gold Standard podcast are going up against the five-ish fangirls, some of their friends, uh, and Oscar challenge which uh, we're rapidly approaching. I can't believe it's almost the end of February already. Yeah. So listen for more on that. All right. Be sure to check out our website, travelingvortex.com, for updates. And if you get any value out of this podcast, why not consider putting some value back into it? You can do that by clicking on the patron link on our 
patron link on our website and uh, consider supporting us there. Also, please consider giving us a five-star review wherever you subscribe to this podcast and make sure you join in, in the conversations on our listening listeners forum on Facebook. Anything else we need to talk about before we close the show? If not, until next time, I'm Glenn. I'm Sean. And I'm Keith. Cheers. Good night, everybody. Be seeing you. Patient. You have been listening to Traveling the Vortex. Doctor Who and all of its associated programs are owned and trademarked by the BBC. No infringement is intended or implied. Direction point! Direction point! A Doctor Who Podcast Network.